Hey friends, thanks for tuning in to the Church Planner Podcast. Before we started today, wanted to tell you about a really special opportunity. Our friends at the Micro Church Conference put on by Brave Future, um, happening April 18th through the 20th in Kansas City. This is for all of you who are wondering what is a new kind of paradigm for missional church planting and church multiplication through smaller expressions of church, what they call rediscovering the smaller way. It's happening April 18th through the 20th. Kansas City is being hosted by Kansas City Underground. It's going to be a great weekend. And they've given us four free registrations to give away. Normally the price is $90, but we will get you into the conference for free. We have four of those. What you can do to enter is go on our Instagram at Church Planter Podcast. And there you'll find um, a, a DM button. Click that DM button. Send us a DM with your email on it and your name and where you serve. So email, name, where you serve, and you'll be entered to win one of four micro church conference registrations. You just get yourself to Kansas City and uh, you can be there and learn a ton from our friends at Brave Futures. Hope you enjoy the show today. Sir, the possibility of successfully navigating an asteroid field is approximately 3,720 to 1. Never tell me the odds. I'm Pete Mitchell. He's Peyton Jones. And this is the Church Planner Podcast. Hey, Church Planner, welcome back to the Church Planner Podcast. This is Peyton Jones, and I am on with an old friend and a partner in the ministry, uh, someone I deeply respect. I'm with Terrence Brooks, and Terrence is the pastor at One Church in Lakewood. Terrence, how you doing? Doing good, brother. All Glad right. To be here with you this morning. Yeah, it's so good to have you on here. Um, just, you know, kind of a, a little background, <clears throat> how I met Terrence years ago. Uh, mm-hmm. I was planning refuge. Terrence was planning a church in Long Beach, and I still to this day, think the coolest worship I've ever heard in my life was the worship that your opening service did on that day. I was like, man, that is how worship should be. And I remember you at the time, I remember telling you and you're like, yeah, you know, that's cool and all. But it it was funny because you really struck me as a guy was like, he was going to keep his, his eye on the main things. You know, you're like, yeah, no, the worship was great. But that's not everything. And, you know, I, I remember then going, okay, there's he's a deep guy. There's more to Terrence. But you and I ended up meeting on a seminary field trip where they profiled three planters. I don't even remember if it was Biola or which seminary it was. And they, they came out and we walked the streets together. And you and I ended up talking. And I came away going, I really like that guy. And, of course, when it came to handing over uh, Refuge Long Beach. Of course, I had um, handed off to the team. Uh, Chris Langham was team lead when he was like, hey, I'm getting ready to hand off, but I don't feel confident anyone on the team is the person to lead it. Who do you think? He and I chatted and we both agreed it's Terrence Brooks. You had done some word with, with or work with Through the Word and you and I had met and talked a few times. And I just thought, man, this would be the guy to take it. Little did we know God had other plans, bigger plans. So uh, I don't know, man. Can you kind of catch us up? Tell us a little bit of your background 
and we'll pick up that story again. But first, tell us a little bit about who you are, where you're from, what some of your background was, how you got saved, how you got into ministry. Yeah. Okay. So I grew up in uh, South Central and it's I'm like the bottom of South Central as far as you can go to where um, every, I don't know, year or two, my grandmother would have to sign a petition, her and the people in the neighborhood, because they didn't want to become Compton. Like we were, they were like, you know, so we, we were trying to stay L.A. And so um, I grew up there. Um, mother and father on drugs. Neither one of them graduated from high school. Uh, my grandmother takes custody of my sister and I. And uh, that that's really what keeps me connected to my family. The state were trying to take us. My grandmother got custody of us. And so just the environment I was in. Um, wasn't a lot of hope for me. Wasn't a, you know people thinking I'm going to end up dead or in jail, like a statistic. And my grandmother actually moved me to Cotton Valley, Louisiana, which um, you kind of know what the place is like in the name. I mean, the middle of nowhere, backwoods, and what it did was it just really helped me to slow down. I didn't get saved or anything, but my perspective, worldview changed. My mom got herself together, you know. I uh, was able to get off drugs. Um, she didn't become a believer or anything, but she wanted her kids. She got off drugs. I was able to move back. I moved to Inglewood at the time. And then I was getting ready to go to Morningside uh, High School when a situation between my mom and her her guy at the time um, didn't work out and caused us to move to West Covina. My aunt was living in West Covina and kind of got an apartment for us, paid the rent up. And said, "My here's my mom's like here's your chance, you know, you can get out here, find a job, figure it out." And I, I got out of L.A. I went to high school in West Covina. West Covina is uh, where I met my my wife. I met Giovanni. I wanted to marry her in in high school, um, but we broke up for what, like eight years. Lived in different states and stuff like that. Cool story is we were able to reconnect and get married in the year we had planned to. So that's pretty awesome. God's just been so gracious to me, man. Um, but yeah, from there, because I didn't go to college with my wife, who's my girlfriend at the time, I ended up working for the sheriff's department here and the county jail and then had an opportunity to play basketball. So I quit the sheriff's department, moved to Texas. I went to Houston Tillerson University, uh, had a basketball scholarship. And um, yeah, during my first year of college, I I ran into God in a supernatural way, uh, just on my own. And so for four days straight, I didn't eat. I didn't sleep. I didn't brush my teeth. I didn't go to class. I just talked about Jesus for four days straight and revival took place on my campus. And uh, uh, the dean and the president basically threatened to kick me out of school if I didn't stop doing what I was doing. And uh, I really wasn't doing anything. Um, and more than me trying to go evangelize because of the way my life changed uh, and people were with me, folks were coming to me. Here I was like a basketball player. I'm sexually active with a lot of women. I'm popular in the school. And now I'm talking, I'm like Jesus. And so people are like, what happened? What happened? What happened? I ended up telling my testimony in our auditorium 
to like faculty, students, staff. It was an incredible moment. And it was a part of my life call because I knew in that moment God had called me um, to help people get to know him. That, that's what I knew the call was. I didn't necessarily know pastor, but I knew there's no way I could do anything else in my life except help people get to know him. I didn't know how real this stuff was. And now I was convinced. And I was like, this is what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. In fact, Creighton, I started a Bible study that first week of being a believer. And I didn't know Genesis was the first book of the Bible. But I started a Bible study and God just used it. There's like six guys from that Bible study who are pastors today, full-time ministry. It's just incredible the way God. That is incredible. You know, it's just like, I didn't know what I was talking about. I just love the Lord. And I was convinced my life changed um, by reading the Bible. I had went, it was a spring break. I was involved with a lot of women, overwhelmed by what I was into and kind of told this guy that was a Christian, I don't want to live like this anymore. He said, you know, read your Bible. And I opened the Bible and randomly, Proverbs 31 and 3, it says, my son, do not give your strength to a woman or that of which destroys kings. And I knew God was speaking to me. I dropped the Bible and just kind of went walking out like, all right, what just happened? Was that real? You know what I mean? And uh, so I was always convinced that the Bible was true and reliable and God would speak to us through it. And so here I am trying to teach people the Bible. I ended up leading my mom to Christ during that time. And uh, I went home to teach her the Bible that summer. By the end of the summer, there was like 60 people in her living room. And uh, the pastor that was at a local church said, hey, you've got more people coming to your Bible study than we do at our church. Um, do you want to use our church? I said, no. He said, well, I think you need to go get some training for whatever God's calling you to do. And so that's what kind of led me into what's training. I learned about seminary and uh, ended up at Dallas Theological Seminary. I did a THM there and I learned about, I really struggled with the idea of pastor. That was my thing. I signed up for pastoral ministries because I believe that that's what God called me to do. I was convinced about that. I had prayed about it for some years and then I was convinced before I went to seminary. But the idea I had is that I needed to wear a three-piece suit and I needed a hoop at the end of my sermons. And that's just like context. That's what I thought about when I thought about pastoring. And so I knew God called me the pastor, and yet I just felt like I don't know how to do that or if I want to. And uh, we had Missions Week at DTS, and uh, who was it? Michael Frost came, and his first message, like students and some of my teachers were like, "Hey, were you in? Were you in the meeting? You know, yesterday?" I said, "No." And I was like, "There's this guy, and he like really sounds like you. You got a lot of similarities. You should check him out." So I went and listened for the rest of the week and was just blown away. And I was like, missions, missions, missions. That's who I am. That's what I want to do. And then um, there was an assessment time where everybody in our little small group had to share two or three things you could see somebody doing in ministry. And my group, everybody gave me one thing, and it was church planting. And I didn't know anything about church planting. So I, I kind of thought, I don't know where I thought churches came from. But I didn't think people planted them. I just thought, you know, if I'm going to be a pastor, I have to take over an existing church somewhere. 
And when I learned that people actually plant churches, it was so clear that that's what God wanted me to do. Um, and then on uh, February 16, 2012, God gave me a vision and a name, a new wine, uh, to plant a church in Long Beach. And so my wife and I uh, moved in 2014 to Long Beach and planted new wine, a community church. And that's during that time is when you and I cross paths. And so that's kind of like bringing us up to where you and I connected. We were actually thinking even as far back as then, Chris and I, about merging in with new wine. That That's kind of the funny thing. And so when we approach it, I remember you going, you know, and, and correct me if I'm wrong on my recollection of this, but I remember we approached you and I believe it was Chris had the conversation and you said something to the effect of, it's really funny you're connecting with me right now, asking me to come to Refuge Long Beach, because in this past week, I've been approached by a number of other churches asking me that it was like all at once. Yeah, all at once. I think I had like four or five different people approach me about um, joining in, in, in ministry in that way, emerging, coming together. Um, I think you you know Mike Gunn, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. So Mike Gunn and I had like sat down and really went to breakfast and had a conversation about it. He was like the first person. And then it just began for like maybe two week period. It was just every two or three days I would meet with a person and say, hey, what do you think about? I was like, what is God up to? And the whole thing for me was I had moved to Long Beach to do what I believe God called me to do. And what he had called me to do was to plant this diverse church for all people and i had just been struggling to do that i was just struggling to do that now we did we did it early on so when i first started i was on third and pine um like downtown the heart of long beach and we were that's and that's downtown downtown like if if you don't know long beach that is the belly of the beast right there. That is it. That's it. That's even like the center of the, you know, the, the belly. That's the street. And so I was just in the thick of it all. And then we were, we did, we had some like issues in the, in the, the, the country with like police and a shooting African-American guy. And so then I was connected with the, um, the police in the city meeting with the, the head at the headquarters. And basically, remember, I worked for the sheriff's department, too. So I kind of knew some of the ins and outs. And I was basically saying, look, there's some things that need to change in the way that we police in this area. Um, But yet we understand how difficult your job is. And we know our role is to honor you and what you do. So we want you to know that we're we're behind you and we support you. And so we did um, like a luncheon where we served. Uh, tacos and had live music and we served the police department um, at the headquarters there and that ended up like making the paper and uh, then I was on the paper again with some Plano B stuff and they called it Revival Town and so we ended up doing like an ugly sweater Christmas party we had like 500 people show up we're working with like over 30 businesses and so I'm saying that because we were like in the heart of the city, connected with the businesses, connected with the police department. Uh, they invited me to come and like pray over their award ceremony at the end of the year. It's like we were reaching all different parts of the city. 
And then we had our grand opening, which is what you were at. And um, you were there. You remember, there's a lot of, we had 301 people in that launch. And so that space we were in downtown, there's no way it could accommodate those, those folks. And so we didn't have anywhere to meet. So for the next six weeks, we met in five different locations, just trying to find a place to land, man. And we ended up landing on Long Beach and Anaheim. Like we were, we were seven streets past the do not cross line in downtown Long Beach. Yeah. Just lost like majority yep. of those people. You know, it just was like a hard transition. And we were right next, we were across the street from a um, Latino church that's yeah. been there over 20 years and was thriving. We even yeah. shared a parking lot. That's how close we were. And it was just that, that was all that we could afford that would accommodate us. Yeah. But it just changed the whole dynamic of our church. People don't know this, but like we moved around in Long Beach a couple of times and we only moved, I think, within like a th- two to three block radius. Every time we lost such a significant amount of people. And what a lot of people don't know is in an urban context, there's like a five minute walk radius yeah. for people that are walking. They're not going to go beyond that. Mm-hmm. And uh, and it 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 was it was a learning curve for me. Like wow, you know, here we just thought we're moving a couple blocks. We're close. Might as well have been in another city. That's what it was for us. I, we were eight streets past the do not cross, you know, um, line. And so I could kind of go out on our street and literally, Peyton, like look down to almost where we used to be. It didn't matter. People were like mm, different different area. I mean, and it was very different. At that time, you know, uh, Long Beach was being like transformed in so many ways, all these brand new. This, the building we met in was like all glass storefront. It's like beautiful space. And now we're like in a, in a space where there's homeless guys outside, you know, there's maybe gang members here and there hanging out, trash and stuff on the streets. And so, man, we were having issues and we had like maybe two of our white families who told me like pastor T like people aren't going to be comfortable coming here, like with their family or with their friends, um, anything like that. They're not going to be comfortable because of where we are because of the environment. So then we started praying because we want to reach all people, you know, and we're like, all right. So from there we moved to the long beach town center. We rented the Edwards theater right off the six Oh five in Carson. And that's because we were like, all right, this is a safe space. It's a neutral zone. You know, it's clean. It's comfortable. It's familiar. It's, you know, it's, it's in a predominantly white neighborhood. Um, it's like, man, this is, this is where we need to be. But what we found during that time is once I moved there, we were paying a premium, of course, to meet in that theater. Um, but we were paying that premium on the backs of people who couldn't afford to live in that community. Wow. That was really hard for me. Yeah. I was like, all the people who are given tithes and offering that pays for us to be here have to drive 15, 20 or more minutes away. They can't afford to live in this neighborhood, but we're here because we're trying to reach an audience that we haven't been reaching. And we're trying to do that. And for whatever reason, we just said, God's not allowing it to happen. And so, um, yeah, that's when, you know, some of the thoughts about merging 
and connecting with people started coming up and I'm like, well, maybe that's the route. Maybe that's what God wants us to do. And long story short, um, we got to the point where me and our, our leadership team really just said, we think our time is up. The writing's on the wall that whatever the mission was for our church, we've done it, which is literally one of the hardest things I've ever done because we still had people still had you know resources we still had people who wanted to go it's not like we ran out of money or ran out of people or we just felt like for me after a year and a half of being there Peyton we hadn't reached one person within a five mile radius wow everybody we were we would reach was coming from further and further sure away I remember you saying something to that effect that it was more about the mission for you, like the purity of the mission and less about the numbers. And again, that impressed me when we spoke. I was like, you know, this guy, he's everything I thought he was, you know. Um, so that that would that spoke volumes to me, brother. Thank you, man. And it, it was like I had support and help. Like I uh Eric Marsh was big in that time for me. I was sure he's a good him. dude. I was like, Eric, man. I said, this is what my heart is. I feel called to this. We're not doing this. We're spending this amount of money for people who can't afford to live in this neighborhood. We're not reaching. And I think that's up to God. I'm like, God has not allowed us. We're reaching other people, but they live. I mean, we literally had a couple coming from San Diego. Yeah. I was like, I was like telling like, you got to, I was trying to help them find a church. Like you don't need to come down here. This is ridiculous. Well, that's where I'm planting now. So if they're still looking, yeah, let's send I'm them just saying, <laughs> but you know, uh, it, it's so cool, man. And I mean, I, I can't take any credit for anything that happened. You know, I had, I had long handed over Long Beach, but I, I, I am proud of where refuge Long Beach went. Like I, I still look back on that and I say, you know, it, it's by proxy. I was involved at all, you know, uh, like uh, less than a fraction of a percent of a percent. Um, but it, it's indirectly connected and I was able to be a part of the process. And I just feel honored because what, what you haven't really shared that people should know is God was clearly up to something because not only did, you know, DA Horton, was one of the uh, church planners who said, hey, I'm going to, he was calling you the same week. Hey, do you guys want to merge? We called you the same week. A couple other churches called and one of them had a building. And um, that in itself, like you're sitting in that building right now during this interview in a renovation project, um, which by the way, if you guys want to donate towards a um, urban church that is multi-ethnic to a T, um, doing incredible work. I mean, the Holy Spirit, we just had DJ Saribon. Uh, he's, he was from Refuge, serves here um, with Terrence now. Um, Terrence, where could they go online to maybe donate to the work you guys are doing? Uh, they can go to onechurchlakewood.com and just hit the give tab that way. And there's some options. There's either you'll see a building fund option, or there might even be a playground. Uh, option on there to give that way we're, we're trying to build a playground because we're wanting to bring a uh, daycare here mm. first and then we want to build that out to a school up to fifth grade yep. that's one of the things we're working on 
right now. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah, you're welcome. And that that's me, not Terrence doing that. So we didn't talk about that. So I sprung it on him, but um, he's doing a worthy work. If you, if you guys do want to um, get in touch, you can do that. And definitely check out some of their services um, online. Check out some of the, um, some of just, you know, there's a huge emphasis on the Holy Spirit. And I know we're out of time, but Terrence, we'll have you back on, man. We're going to want to talk again at some point. Thanks for sharing your journey. Thanks for sharing the blood, sweat, and tears and the struggles. But all of that has led you to where you are today, which brings its own struggles, right? It's not like, and then everything was happily ever after. You know, you're in the midst of these huge projects, but the mission is pumping. And one of the things that uh, has been super encouraging to me is just activating every believer in their gifts. That has been something that you have been passionate about. I The Sunday that I came, the last Sunday I was there, I think you had just started that series about the the everybody unleashed as missionaries. I remember just standing there going, he sounds like me. Like, this is great. They thought they got rid of me, but he's literally saying all the stuff I used to like, they're not going to get away from this. God's not going to let them because they, for a time with Chris, it was just an emphasis on the scripture going deeper in the word. And then it got back real quick to mission. So brother, I want to thank you for coming on today and being here and sharing with us. Thank you for having me, brother. All right. Well, guys, thanks for listening. Um, this has been perhaps a special edition of the Church Planner Podcast. We used to call this hardcore church planning, and you have definitely heard some hardcore church planning. If you've enjoyed this as well, head on over to newbreedtraining.com. You can get free resources there. Uh, thanks to the generous support of our donors, you'll get tools, you'll get things to lead your team through. And of course, if you want to connect with us, drop us a line, let us know how God's working through your life, how we can better serve you. With that, this is Peyton Jones, Terrence Brooks. We've been talking about one church, and we'll see you next time on the Church Planner Podcast.